You have, each of you, at some point in your life, I'm sure, sat around a dinner table or a campfire somewhere and taken turns answering the question, what would you do with a million dollars? I'd like to ask you a slightly different question this morning. What would you do with three million dollars? I say three because I have um, done a little biblical, hermeneutical, economical math for you this morning to try to help translate this parable of the talents into today's dollars and cents. Let me take you through my homework real quick. What we know from historical record is that a talent equals about 10,000 denarii. And what we know from just a few chapters earlier in Matthew's Gospel is that one denarii, uh, one denarius, um, counts for uh, a day's wage for the average day laborer. We heard this in the parable about the workers in the vineyard. So say you work 260 days a year, well, that's 260 denarii a year. And say you work for 40 years of your life. That comes out to 10,400 denarii. That is just about one talent. The median household income in 2021 was $75,000. And if you multiply that by 40 years of work, that brings you right to $3 million. So there you have it. Simple as that. If you make double $75,000 right now, you could just entertain a different question. What would you do with $6 million? If you make five times $75,000, you could ask yourself the question, what would I do with $15 million? The question of the parable of the talents put in today's world is essentially this. What would you do if I could give you all the money that you will make over the course of your whole life right now? By the way, if you're curious, just because at this point I was having fun with the math, if you work a full-time job for 40 years of your life, you will have worked approximately 82,500 hours of your life. You receive that as good news, bad news, I don't know. <laughs> so what would you do? What would you do with $3 million if I handed that to you right now? Just, just ponder this for a second. Just, just come up with a, an image or a boat in your imagination. Everybody have something in mind? Okay, now ask yourself this question. Would Jesus approve of what you're thinking of right now? Yeah. A plus, Dane. Me either, Dane. There's too many nice bikes that I want. What we would do is probably different than what we should do, especially if we had Jesus looking over our shoulders. But if we wanted to know what Jesus thinks we should do with our $3 million, perhaps we could try to take the parable of the talents as a kind of roadmap. I'm not saying we do, but if we wanted to follow Jesus' advice and we wanted to follow this roadmap, what might that mean? Uh, I'd like to 
just invite us to notice a few things about this parable. First, notice that the servants are, they do nothing to earn this money. It is entrusted to them, the text says. This is just Christian Stewardship 101, a reminder that all the money that we have, whether we won the lottery or spent decades working for it, is not ultimately ours to keep. Everything that we have is given to us, entrusted to us by God to steward for a limited time. I already preached my stewardship sermon a couple weeks ago, so we can stop that point there. The second thing I want you to notice, and perhaps controversially, Notice that the master distributes the talents unequally. Five to one, two to another, and one to the third. And the text even says, to each according to their ability. Is it really true that God distributes material blessings unequally? I thought God loves everybody the same. Is it true that God really gives more to some than to others? Well, it certainly sounds true inside the world of this parable, at least. But also, and I hate to point this out in front of you, just look around. (laughs) Tends to be true outside the parable, too. Maybe better look in the parking lot. But this perhaps uncomfortable realization that introduced such a haunting silence to the room, perhaps this uncomfortable realization is softened by the third point. Don't feel bad for the person in the parable who only gets one talent. Remember, that's still $3 million. Which is to say that God may entrust us with different amounts of blessing, but there is no one to whom God has not given more than enough. God gives only in varying degrees of abundance. Okay, so much for how to think about this $3 million. What are we actually supposed to do with it, according to the parable? It actually seems straightforward enough. The first servant gets five and makes it into ten. The second servant gets two and makes it into four. And both of these people are praised. Come into the joy of your master. The one servant who buried his talent in the ground is the only one that gets admonished and some other scary things too, cast into some outer darkness. So the recommendation seems simple enough. Just take that $3 million and double it. You know, double it. It's not hard, right? Uh, Do that thing that people that understand money do when they take some money and they use that money to turn that money into more money? If you know how to do this, please teach me. (laughs) Because Jesus wants me to do it. It's right here. Just double it. Invest it. Interestingly, Jesus is not saying as he does to the rich young ruler in just a few other chapters, just give it all away. Jesus is not saying, give your money to the poor. Jesus is also not saying, like the disciples do in the book of Acts, don't own anything, instead just share everything in common. Jesus seems to be saying, be an entrepreneur. Trade it, invest it, create an institution, start a business, buy something valuable. Jesus is starting to sound like quite the capitalist. 
We must, of course, remember one thing. It's not just the math that is different between then and now. It's important to remember that the ancient world did not have the sophisticated financial ecosystems of the modern world. They had banks. We're told in the text that they had banks. The third servant should have at least invested the money in the bank so the master would get it with interest. But the thing is, in the ancient world, with that much money, with that many corrupt bankers and politicians in the pocket of the Roman Empire, you know what, have, what would have been definitely safer than depositing that 10,000 denarii in the bank? Burying it in your backyard. We actually have an ancient scroll that reads like a financial advice column from the first century world, and it literally advises people that the safest thing to do with their vast sums of money is bury it in the ground. Although, as one of the children pointed out at the nine o'clock uh, service, make sure you don't put an X there, or else pirates will find it. <laughs> Here's the point, though. If you lived back then, and you were given three million dollars, and the only thing you can't do is bury it in your backyard, that actually would have created a crisis for your life. Do you know how hard it would have been to invest $3 million? It's not like they had a stock market for it to sit there in. It's not like they had certificates of deposit or high-yield savings accounts. All they had were farmers that needed loans so that they could get more livestock to work their fields for that year. All they had were merchants that needed loans to set up their shops, artists that needed patrons, schools and temples, and eventually churches that needed to be built. You see, if we got $3 million, not a single person in your life would need to know about it. We could simply silently deposit it into the bank. And we could read the parable of the talents and think, oh, I guess God subscribes to an aggressive investment strategy. So you know what? I'm going to invest all three million of my dollars in Bitcoin. Got one crypto bro in the house. <laughs> but I'm afraid that would be missing the point of this parable entirely. If you were in the ancient world and you were given $3 million and you wanted to follow Jesus' advice in this parable, you would simply have no choice but to change your entire life. To reorganize everything. You'd have to change how you spent almost every minute of every day. There's something helpful in the Greek here, actually, and I promise I'll only bore you for one second. The text says, the one who had received five talents went off at once and traded with them. That word that we translate in our uh, NRSV as traded is the Greek word ergotso, which comes from the Greek word to work. To translate it as trade, I think for us modern finance people, just still too closely connotates the world of logging on to fidelity.com to see how Apple's doing this week. We should translate it just as work. Instead, the servant goes to work 
that $3 million. And the text says, at once, immediately. For the servant to get busy working that $3 million, he would have to read totally different books or scrolls or whatever they read. He'd have to learn entirely new skills. He'd have to form an entirely new set of relationships. And everyone would know. He couldn't hide it even if he wanted to. You know what wouldn't require him to change anything whatsoever about his life? Burying it in the ground. Or if he lived today, just depositing it silently in his bank account. This parable is obviously about more than just money. In fact, I'm not convinced that this parable is about money at all. God has entrusted each of us with varying degrees of abundant blessing. He has given each of us distinct personalities, skills, talents, interests, and wisdom. He's given us each a family, the various communities of which we're a part. He's even given you all a church. Best of all, he has given us this story of our salvation, the story of forgiveness and everlasting life, of faith, hope, and love, of grace and truth. He has given us his only son. And there's only one thing God doesn't want you to do with everything you've been given. Bury it in the ground. Instead, what God has given you should change absolutely everything about your life. It should change what you read. It should change what you're interested in learning. It should change who you're in relationship with, how you're in relationship with anyone. God has given you everything you have so that you can put those blessings to work so that they will increase to bless this world. God has given you every blessing you have so that you will invest it in the kingdom of God. There's one final thing I'd like you to notice about this parable, one curious detail. It's that none of the servants actually lose money. Remember, this is a parable. It's a made-up story. It's not like there's some historical record that Jesus is trying to remain faithful to, faithful to here. Jesus could have just as easily made this parable so that the second servant, who is given two talents, risked it all and lost it all. And then the parable could have ended with saying, even if you lose it, it's better to risk it than to have it buried in the ground. But that's not what this parable says. In this parable, everyone who tries succeeds. 
The only one who fails is the one who doesn't even try. Here's a crazy thought. What if you can't actually lose the blessings God gives you by risking them on others? What if the kinds of things that God gives only multiply when they're shared? Do you feel the immense weight of blessing that has been bestowed upon you? And do you sense the opportunity, the invitation that God has offered you? And do you hear this guarantee? That's a good investment platform. Amen.